Howdy. You're listening to the Texas A&M RUF podcast. Hope you enjoyed the talk. Hey, y'all. Once again, my name is Austin McCain. I'm the RUF campus minister here. And tonight we have an awesome privilege to hear from a very special guest, our very own intern, George Devaney. He's going to be preaching for us tonight. So we are uh, very excited. George has done a fantastic job. In, um, in his study of this passage. It's been awesome. Uh, so we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, I just want to say this again. If this is your first time to RUF, really, we're glad you're here. At RUF, we say that you're never so good that you stand outside the need of God's grace, while at the same time, you are never so bad that you stand outside the reach of his grace. And we really believe that. We hope we embody that when you come, that you taste that when you come to RUF. Um, so we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. This is going to be verses 1 through 16. This is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. Let's draw our attention now to the reading um, of God's Word. He gives it to us because He loves us. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift, Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives. He gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he did also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. For building up the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Would you pray with me? Father, again, we do thank you for giving us your word, for revealing yourself to us. It is a gift, and you give it to us because you love us. Lord, we praise you for the, tr- the truth in your word tonight. Lord, we also praise you for the gift that is George Devaney to this RUF. Lord, we thank you for the way that he has loved these students. Lord, we thank you for the way in which he has come and wanting to stand and to preach your good news. You tell us it is beautiful for the feet of those who come and preach the good news. And we thank you for George. I pray that this passage would speak as much to us as it does to him, that you would show him again the height and the length and the breadth and the depth of your love for him in Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. 
<laughs> I can hear it now. Uh, well, I'm George, obviously, y'all heard that, most, I know most of you, but uh, if I don't, I'd love to, to get to know you, uh, to hang out. Uh, it is my job, but I also do enjoy it, so please, like, hit me up, I'd love to hang. Uh, and which, welcome to RUF, um, I hope, whether you know it's first time or 50th time in here, uh, I hope that you feel loved, you feel welcomed, uh, that you know that this is a place to ask questions. Um, a place where you can seek answers uh, and feel uh, no judgment, uh, just to be able to do that. So I hope that you feel that. Goodness. Uh, I hope that you feel that tonight. Uh, and if you've been with us this semester, you know that we've been going through the book of Ephesians. Uh, this was a, a series of letters written by Paul to the church in Ephesus. That's driving me nuts. Uh, <laughs> This was a church um, that was diverse. You had Jews and Gentiles. Uh, and there were lots of issues that were caused because people were different. Um, and that's a lot of what we're going to be talking about tonight. Uh, but before we dive into this passage, uh, I think it's important to know where we're coming from. Uh, and in the first three chapters of Ephesians, Paul lays out essentially what is justification. Uh, that by grace through faith, we are saved and become God's children, um, that we actually take on a new identity, that identity is in Christ, and that with this new identity comes a new calling, which Paul alludes to in the first verse when he says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling, to which you have been called. So we have this new identity, we have this new purpose, and in that we have to, there's, there's a piece of what now, like what do we do with it? Um, and that's kind of where we start in chapter 4, and that is where Paul is going with the rest of Ephesians through chapter 6. And so, before we kind of like get into the nitty-gritty of what Paul is calling us to here, which he states as unity, and calling us into united, as a united body in Christ, we have to understand like, what our source of unity is. Like, who are we, and what defines us? Uh, I think a great example of this uh, is aspen trees. So if you know anything about aspen trees, they're pretty wild. Um, so they're the most widespread tree in North America, so they're like everywhere. And there's never just one, they're always in clusters. And that is because they share the same root system. So like, they're all connected. And they can't actually grow and expand without being connected. So you can't just have one sprout up somewhere it starts with one and they just like expand out. And this is fascinating because the oldest living organism in the world is an aspen cluster in Utah. It's estimated to be like over 80,000 years old. And that's because of the roots. Like aspen trees are little. They're like this big around. They're like not that tall. They're not that like powerful looking of a tree. Like it's not a sequoia. Like, it's kind of a measly-looking little tree, but because it's so well-connected and its roots are so strong, it's actually been able to survive throughout all time. It's, like, it's crazy. Like, these trees are wild. Um, and I think that is, like, a great example of what Paul is trying to point out when we look at verses 4 through 7. Like, 
He's saying, look at all of these things I'm about to list off to you, because these are what unite you. These are your roots that you can look back to when you're, when you're in disagreement, when you're in disunity, when you're, when you're in, like, the mingling between you is, like, hard. He's saying, remember who you are. Remember what defines you. And so he goes into it. I mean, like, he lists off one Lord, one God, one Spirit, and he, he just goes on and on. And so, like, as we go through them, like, he's just trying to reiterate to us, remember who you are. Know who you are. So he talks about God. He says, we, we serve one God. This is kind of sweet. Like, we know God as Christians to be three in one. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Which is God existing in perfect unity. Which is what Paul is talking about. So not only are we serving one God that unites us, but our God is actually united in himself. Which is really, really unique. Um, he talks about the church. He says one body, one church, one bride. And all throughout scripture we see the church being referred to as Jesus' bride, that we're married to Jesus, that we are all different people, and we are all one as Jesus' bride. We see and talk about one hope. Like, we all have one hope in Jesus. Like, in Jesus, that's, that's everything. Like, we trust that because of what he did on the cross, that we are now saved and take on a new identity, and all the wrongs we've done, all the good things we could ever do, like, they don't define us anymore. Like, we get to hope in the, the finished work of Jesus. And then he talks about one grace. But grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Like, we've all been receivers of grace. Like, we all have all of these beautiful things that were just given to us to unite us. And you're like, yeah, dude, like, I get it. Like, those are, like, basic, like, if you're a Christian, you know those things. Those are, like, basic tenets of, like, who you are. And you're like, yeah, I get it. So why is Paul even writing this letter if we get that? And that's because unity is actually really hard. Like, it's actually really hard to get along with your neighbor. It's really hard to get along with people who are difficult, who don't understand you, who you don't understand. And so Paul is writing this to remind us, that, yeah, this is hard. And, like, you actually are called into doing this. Um, and so next we see Paul kind of lay out what is this call. We see it in verses 1 through 4, and we see it in 10 uh, through 12. And I think what's important to understand first is, like, what is this? Like, do we really believe that we're disunified, or do we really think we can get along with everybody? Um, one, one example of this, which I think is pretty funny, but I think it, like, points to kind of, like, where our hearts are and how we relate to people, is the game... Uh, they're perfect, but they, like, have toes for teeth, or they, like, only eat spaghetti, or they do this or they do that. Like, whatever it is to, like, make them feel, like, icky or gross. Like, you, you just try to figure out what it's going to take to get somebody there. And, like, that just, like, reveals our hearts towards people. Like, we're talking about the perfect human being, and we actually just want to find a flaw. Like, we don't actually care that they're perfect. It's like, well, what's wrong with them? Like, what... What actually makes me not want to be around them? And, like, we know this is true in that situation, and we know it's true with, like, people and Christians in our own lives. Like, there's always somebody that you're, like, a little allergic to. You're like, if I don't see them tonight, that would be beautiful. Like, I really don't want to have, want to, have to interact with them. Like, I've pretty much only ever worked in ministry since I was, like, a freshman in college, like, in the summers and whatnot. 
And I can tell you that there's so many students that I encountered that I was like, that kid is a punk. Like, I don't want to see him ever. And like, it's my job to like pursue that kid. Like, that's not even like, I had to do it out of like requirement. And so it's even worse when it's by choice. So like, you guys know that this is like, you know intrinsically that this is true of your hearts. And so what we actually see here is that we have to trust in, our, in the things that actually make us connected in order for us to move towards people. Um, and Paul points out two, really like two main things here. He says, you have to be unified to Jesus and you have to be in a body of believers. Um, and he kind of goes into this when he, we get further down in the passage and we look at, okay, how do we actually grow? Like, what is growth? Because Paul points out even at the beginning, like, some fruits of the Spirit, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing in love, um, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Like, he's naming what we know to be fruits of the Spirit, like, things that happen when we're actually growing in Christ. And so we have to look at, okay, so now, where do we go with that? So, Paul writes about maturity. We see this in verses 13 and 14 when he's talking about the lack of maturity, uh, the lack of spiritual maturity. And so I'm going to kind of give two examples here. Like he talks about a child being tossed to and fro from, from, by waves, easily swayed by human cunning. Um, and I want to point out yeah, two things. So like maturity is connected to Jesus and connected to a body of believers. So what does immaturity look like in those things? So like a funny example of this would be like when I was like in fifth grade, I asked my mom for a 5,000 piece uh, Taj Mahal Lego set. Uh, I'd never built Legos in my life. And I actually didn't even like Legos. And my mom was like, no, dude. I'm not buying you a 5,000 piece Lego set that you're not even gonna build you don't even like Legos. But I was like, everybody's got Legos. Like, I want to be cool. Like, I want to fit in. Like, I want, I want an identity. Like, I want Legos. And then, you know, sixth grade, that, I mean, middle school is so peaked for this. You see kids just, like, trying to attach identity to something. So it was like, if you had the coolest shoes. So, like, I had Reebok Zids, which... That's like on clouds before on clouds were cool. If you don't know what they are, which I'm guessing most of y'all don't, you gotta look them up. Uh, and like, if you had those, people were like, "Dang, like that dude, he's sick." Uh, you had to be really good at chess for some reason. Like, if you were good at chess, instant clap. Like, you fit in. You had an identity. Like, you were a chess guy. Like, I knew so many chess guys. And then it was yo-yo. So, like, everybody had a yo-yo. So, like, if you didn't have, like, a sick yo-yo that, like, would spin at the bottom so you could do, like, crazy tricks, like, you weren't in. Like, you were kind of on the outs- outskirts. And, like, those are silly, but I think they're, they point to this, like, grasping for identity. Like, we want something that we can cling to that's going to give us some sort of, like, oh, I've, I've got something. Like, I have meaning. I, I have value. And that is lack of knowing who you are in Christ. Like, that's the first piece of immaturity. 
is not being firm in your identity in Christ to where you're like, yeah, like, I'll just do whatever everyone else is doing because I want to feel like I'm a part of something instead of knowing what you stand for and being like, no, like, I don't need a yo-yo. I don't like yo-yos. Like, and that's okay. I don't need to like yo-yos, you know? Like, being able to stand firm in that, I think, is that, that first piece of immaturity. And then the second piece that Paul talks about is not being in a body of believers, like not having a body. Um, I think a great example of this is like when you went out to college, I'm sure you guys had friends who were, when you like went back on break, everyone was like, dang, did you hear about so-and-so? They totally fell off the wagon. Like they went crazy in college. Like they're, they're so like lost and like love. Um, and you're like, dang, like they were so, they were like always a youth group. They were so cool. But now they're like this weird, crazy person. And you're like, it's so strange. Because they're not connected to the body anymore. They took, they, you took youth group away, you took them out of Christian community, and they floundered. Um, I think we see this even just in little ways. Like when we're, like when you're in college, like, there's so many things presented to you by friends who are like, dude, like, just come hang with us, man. Like, I know you don't want to do what we're doing, but like, just come, it'll be fun. Like, we like you, like, come hang out with us. So you're like, sure, like, I'll go hang out with you guys. And then they're like, like oh, that was pretty fun. And they're like, that was sick. And then you go back and like, invite you again. And then you're like, yeah, yeah, this is fun. Like, dude, just like, do whatever we're doing, man. Like, it's not that big a deal. So then you're like, yeah, I'll just like, do whatever for like a little bit, but like not for that long because, you know, I don't think it's right or, you know, whatever it is. And then you keep doing it and you like keep hanging out and the next thing you know, you've just been like chipped away at because you've just been pushed and like whittled away by society and people trying to pull you away from God. And that happens when you're not in community with people who are like, dude, what are you doing? Like, what's going on? Like, why are you acting that way? Why are you doing those things? Why are why is that happening to you? And that happens to so many people. So often that is a story of so many people, especially in college. They just get whittled away and then they're like, yeah, like I used to go to church, but I don't know, I just don't really go anymore. It's not that important. Um, and you just see it so much. But what Paul is saying here is you can't actually have growth if you're not in both of those things. If you're not in Christ and you're not in the body of believers, you're not going to grow spiritually. And we see this when he lays out what spiritual maturity looks like. We look at verses 15 and 16. Paul talks about um, this, uni- this what is unifying us together. And that he mentions one phrase in particular. He, he gives us one call, which is to speak truth and love to each other. Which, that's a loaded statement. That could be... I bet there's people in here who have heard that and been like probably burned by it a little bit. Like speaking the truth in love is something that is really difficult um, and requires like lots of lots of grace and the right people to be doing it. So like I want to recognize that like you may be like, dude, that's it's kind of whack. Like people have said some pretty pretty mean things to me and use that as their cover up to do so. But I think what's important here is Paul saying that if we're not doing that, that it's actually gonna be really hard for us to figure out. Um, and I think two ways to think about actually how can we speak truth and love to each other well. Uh, one example is like thinking of your body, like when you're sick, your body is like sending like blood, like white blood cells and things to like fight your sickness. 
um, not trying to attack yourselves, but actually just attack what is trying to like kill yourselves. And like being sick sucks. Like it, you're like down. You're like, oh, I hate this. Like I feel crappy. But you know that your body is like actively working for you, so that you can actually feel better. Another way to think about it would be like, I was watching this video the other day about uh, tomatoes and like <laughs> how you grow them, and like they were showing like you know you plant it, you know it grows, and as the vine grows. You're supposed to like prune off the first like little flowery parts off the stem because if you don't then they're going to like soak up nutrients and then they don't actually produce fruit and so when you trim them off it actually allows the plant and the tomato plant to like grow to its full potential to like produce the best tomatoes but like if you didn't go in and like actually like inflict pain upon the plant like cutting away parts of the plant it wouldn't actually be able to flourish. And that is what, I think that is like what speaking truth and love is about. And I think when we go to people and, and we go to our, our brothers and sisters in Christ and we're like, dude, like, I see this in you and like, I love you, but like, this isn't good. Like, you're actually helping them grow. And that can be like really hard and awkward. So I, get, <laughs> I do understand that that's really difficult. Um, but when we think about that, we also have to remember, like, I think where the challenge of that comes in is saying, how do I actually approach them in a way that's like, like Jesus approaches me? Like, how do I approach them in a way that actually reflects God? Like, actually reflects what Jesus has done for me? Um, like, how do I actually do that with humility? Um, and, I, and it starts, I think, with what we saw at the beginning of the passage with our unity in Christ. Like, if we do not fully believe and trust that we're not defined by who we are and that Jesus actually defines us, then, like, we're going to have a really hard time going to people and treating them with love and not coming across as super harsh. Um, And so it starts there. And that can be really difficult because it can be really hard to sometimes, like, feel like you're close to God so you can be, like, close to others. But... Actually just knowing who God is and what he's done for you and reminding yourself of that constantly will actually enable you to move towards people in love. And what Paul says here is that that actually produces two things. Produces inward and outward growth. Um, He talks about seeing fruit and growing into more, growing into Christ. Like growing more like Christ. That's that inward growth. That's like fruit of the spirit growth. That's when this is happening, you're actually seeing humility. You're seeing gentleness. You're seeing patience. Um, That happens. And that can only happen if you're pruning. Like you can't grow if you're not being pruned. And in the same way, when people see this, Paul talks about bodily growth at the end of the passage. Like people will look at your life. They'll look at the way you treat people They'll look at the way your friends treat people. They'll look at the body and be like, if it is healthy, and be like, whoa, that's different. Like, they're actually treating each other with truth, but also with love. And they're they're actually treating me with love, even though I don't even believe what they believe. They're still treating me with love. And that that changes people. Like, people see that. And And it's what he says. Like, the body will build. 
when we're actually treating people uh, with that love. And so I want to close with reiterating the two points. We cannot move towards people unless we know where our unity lies. We can't move towards our brothers and sisters until we know what unifies us. We can't move towards anybody else until we know what unifies us. We can't do anything without Jesus doing it first for us. Um, and once we realize and can trust and believe that Jesus is working for us, he's working in us, and that he's done everything for us, then we can actually be free to be like, I can actually love that person that's really horrible because I'm actually really hard to love too, but Jesus is still choosing to show up and love me so I can actually move towards somebody. Um, so I just want to end with that as an invitation to, to lean into God's love and to lean into loving others through that. And yeah, let's pray. Dear Lord, uh, thank you for tonight. I thank you for your word, uh, the way that it, it works, um, that, you're, that you're at work through it. I'm afraid that we will be more unified body um, that moves towards each other in love and in doing so can move towards people who are not Christians in love, Lord. And that starts with knowing who we are in you and what you've done for us on the cross. Um, and I say all these things from your name. Just in prayer. Amen. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode of the Texas A&M RUF podcast. If you're interested in joining us for a large group, we would love to see you at All Faiths Chapel on the north side of campus across from Sabisa at 8 p.m. on Wednesdays. Go ahead and follow at AggieRUF on Instagram for updates about any other events we're putting on. We hope to see you around. Thanks and gig'em.